Hartman fancying his chances from here. Gonna get some momentum and launch an almighty kick from 60 metres out. Distance is okay. Yes! What a monster! Hello everyone and welcome back to another edition of Pairs on a Pod. It's episode 16. I'm pretty sure. And this week we have a very, very special guest. But before I introduce our very special guest, it's the man who Toby Thurston saw actually look like Mickey Mouse with his new headset this week, Jack Hudson. <laughs> my co-host, how are you, buddy? Uh, yeah, thanks for that, mate. Um, I, after that sledge, I'm just like, yeah, I need to invest before we, <laughs> before we go to another pod because it was on life support and it gave way last week. The sticky tape was just like dangling. It looked like shit. So right time to improve i'd say yeah definitely the duct tape wasn't looking too sexy at all for a podcast but regardless let's get to our guest this week played 193 games for port adelaide 77 goals majority of those were probably outside 80 meters i speak of the 2014 cleo bachelor nominee hamish hartlett <laughs> hamish welcome to the pod well hey. uh yeah thanks boys thanks for the introduction that was uh yeah, one part that you could have left out, and I would happily have let that one slide. But uh, anyway, <laughs> here we are. Well, that's what we do, mate. And unfortunately, we do have to start on a stitch-up, and I've been hounded by my now wife about this. Hammer, when you uh, kick balls into the crowd, like when you're doing a warm-up, do you often see where they go? Uh, I'm probably a little bit more conscious than other blokes are. Um, but, yeah, we don't really care too much as long as they go straight <laughs> well i think you must you might have missed this one because we we're sitting on the left side behind and one of your balls on a wet night has hit the wife straight and flush in the head <laughs> uh, any damage done or well she missed the entire first quarter getting concussion tested so oh, yeah my apologies uh yeah pass on my my um my apologies to her please no it will do mate she's just been after that for about four years so she'll be ecstatic so <laughs> Appreciate that. But, mate, how's it been this year, like, playing at West Adelaide and back at the club as well in the AFLW system? What has it been like for you? Yeah, it's been um, an interesting transition, no doubt about that. I still um, very much love love playing footy. Uh, it's been really good, actually, to get back to West Adelaide where, I guess, the whole footballing journey sort of began um, to some extent for me a long time ago now. But... Um, yeah, there's a few few sort of familiar faces around there. I guess, you know, the, the important thing was that West Adelaide gave me an opportunity from, from an employment point of view as well. Um, so I worked there part-time as the youth development manager. So I, I pretty much oversee all the under-13s, 14s and 15s programs as well as our country academy as well, uh, which has been fantastic. So that's kept me busy, I guess, from a Monday to Friday point of view. And then... Obviously, a bit of training on top of that around at the footy club too. So um, I'm really grateful for that opportunity they've pr- provided me with. As I mentioned, I still love playing and training and trying to get the best out of myself. And then I guess in more recent times, uh, the opportunity with the AFLW stuff is presented as well, which has been fantastic. And uh, I've absolutely loved getting back to Alberton and just being around the football club more often. Uh, we've got a fantastic group of, of players and coaches and staff members there at the, in the W program and uh, looking forward to that season officially kicking off in a couple of weeks time. Yeah, it must be pretty exciting. What's the build up been like for the AFLW girls, obviously with training ramping up over the recent weeks, have you uh, picked out a favorite or is anything 
stood out from you in the program so far? Well, uh, I can't be too biased um, being a coach in terms of having favourites and those, those types of things. But I, I'm the um, I'm the backline coach. I've got a fantastic group of girls back there that uh, they're, they're super physical. Um, they're very, very desperate um, in the way they defend, which I absolutely love. Um, there's probably a couple that spring to mind uh, in terms of the way they play. And um, they are Hannah Dunn and Indy Taho, um, both quite physical players um, and probably the other one that I've, I've really been impressed with is um, young Alex Ballard from, uh, she's a young girl that we drafted from Sturt. She's got uh, fantastic footy IQ and uses the ball really well. So uh, we like the ball in her hands. So there's a few that stand out, but yeah, I mean, it, it really was um, quite a sort of a slapdash process, I suppose. Like we only, the announcement about the, the AFLW season starting sooner um, than expected probably caught a few people by surprise so we only had about 10 weeks to try and get this new group of um, you know 30 girls together implement some sort of game plan get them to train together and and build a bit of a culture Um, and before we know it we're playing trial games and and the season proper sneaks up on us so it's been a pretty quick process but I think we've handled it really really well Um, you know relatively optimistic about how the season's going to unfold as well. Yeah, hopefully it's going. Hopefully it goes better than the men's season anyway. So, but Hammer, we'll go back to the starty days. Obviously, coaching now, but growing up, um, did you ever expect that you'd be coaching, or was it ever an aspiration of yours? Like, say, when you were getting drafted, like, did you ever think beyond that, going, I'd like to do that one day? Oh, I think I think at that point in time, all you're concerned about is um, mm. getting the most out of your footballing career, and that was that was definitely the case with me. Right up until probably right up until I did my uh, my ACL in uh, 2018, I hadn't really put a great deal of thought into what I was going to be doing next um, beyond my my playing days. So I would have I was sort of 27 uh, when that occurred, and then that was really when I put my my head down and my bum up and started to to concern myself with what I was going to do post playing career. Started doing some coaching courses. Um, Enrolled in uni, so I, I still sort of study part-time doing a health science degree as well. So just try to prepare myself as best as I possibly could for life after football. Um, and as I mentioned, like, thankfully, the opportunities, I guess, presented themselves at the end of last season. Uh, one, one being at West Adelaide, which um, is a club that I'm obviously passionate about and, and provided me an opportunity to get um, into the AFL system originally. Well, we, we, we did talk about uh, – I just mentioned drafting. Let's take you back. 2008, pick four. There was a whole backstory in 20, 2007, 2016. You know, I think you were doing South African tours with academies and stuff like that. Yeah. Building up to the draft, did you actually think you'd be a top five pick? Uh, it's a good question. I knew um, – yeah, so obviously I'd, I guess I'd achieved some things – uh, throughout my juniors that was always going to hold me in good stead. So at the um, 2016 championships uh, for South Australia, I, I, I was awarded the Kevin Sheen medal for the best player in the competition. Um, and then, as you mentioned, to the AIS trip uh, over to South Africa on the back end of that, um, you know, played, played some state 18s footy as a bottom major and played pretty well and then made the Australian team in the in my top age year. So I guess all, all um, 
you know, stars were aligning to being a reasonably high pick. And then, and then I guess I, I was playing some pretty good senior footy at West Adelaide as well as a sort of 16, 17-year-old. So, um, yeah, there was a fair bit of discussion around that. And then I think just prior to the draft, Port actually got in touch with me and said, look, um, we've got pick number four. And if you're still there, we'll, we'll pick you up. So I guess there's some, some pretty reasonable signs that I was going to go pretty high there. And what was that sort of conversation like? Like you said, it was just before the draft. Like, how quickly was it, and what other clubs sort of you had had you spoken to? Uh, I had I had a good conversation with pretty much every every single club throughout. Um, you know, the few months leading into the draft, uh, I, I distinctly remember sitting down with Geelong um, and Stephen Wells, and I think they had pick maybe seven or eight somewhere along those those lines. Might have been slightly later, but they sort of said, "Look, um, we don't think you're going to get through to our pick, but if you do, like, we'd love to have you," sort of thing. And then, yeah, as I mentioned, Port. I think Port rang me maybe the day before the draft and and said what they said. Um, but even still, I was, you know, I flew over to Melbourne for the draft. It was held at um, Etihad Stadium, and yeah, even still, just sitting in that room, I was still un- uncertain about what was going to happen until, yeah, my name was uh, was called out you know, fairly early, I guess. But um, I think there was a Fremantle had the pick before me. Mm. So I think Jack, Jack Watts went number one. Uh, Nick Natanui went number two to West Coast. Then Frio had pick three. And I think they were sort of tossing up between myself and um, Stephen Hill. Mm. Um, but I guess the way the cards felt, Stephen was a, a local Perth boy. So they, they just felt... It's probably the safer bet to go with him. And then um, me being an Adelaide boy, I was very, very fortunate to be able to stay stay at home. And Choco, first coach in the AFL. What was uh, that first conversation like for yourself with him? Yeah, look, we, we'd had, um, <laughs> I guess, a couple of conversations in the lead up, in the just in the interview process that you have at draft camp. And um, I remember him and um, a couple of other representatives from the footy club coming around to my house and having an interview at one stage. So... I sort of knew what was coming with Choco in terms of him being a fantastic um, teacher of the game. Um, I tried to I tried to see through a little bit of his uh, intimidation sort of tactics, I guess, <laughs> um, uh, which I think he he sort of liked, and we we built a really good relationship um, in the few years that we spent together. And you know, still now, when when we bump into each other on a very rare occasion. Um, I'm more than happy to, to have a good chat. So I got along real well, Choco. A lot of players have mentioned that interview questions, they can be quite bizarre. Did you have any weird ones that were thrown your way? Uh, nah, there wasn't wasn't anything that really sprung to mind um, that was super curly or super weird. Um, I remember there was a question, I think it might have been from the Hawthorne Recruiting manager, it was either Hawthorne or Brizzy, and I can't, I can't recall exactly who it was, but um, they pretty much said if if there was a, f- uh, a football between me and one of my teammates from South Australia at the time, and it was just a, a purely like a one-on-one battle, like who would win it? And I think I said like the other bloke would probably win it because... Um, <laughs> <laughs> just because, just because of the type of player he was, he was like a super hard contested player, and I wasn't really that at that point in time. So 
I was pretty open and honest about it. And they were, I think they were a bit sort of taken aback. Like, <laughs> like, are you, are you like what, you, you know what you're saying right now sort of thing. And I was a bit like, oh, yeah. So that, that's the only one I can really remember being a little bit, um, a little bit curly, but it was probably my own wrong, wrongdoing more than anything. <laughs> they just say we allowed a big red texture. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, yeah. It's like nah. <laughs> but um, as well, first your first game as well, playing um, MCG against Hawthorne in the yep. worst Guernsey the club's ever worn. Yep. Um, what do you remember about it? Uh, it was a pretty special, special memory. Um, yeah, so obviously at the home of footy, I guess, the MCG playing against Hawthorne, they were the reigning premiers. Uh, I, I remember I was doing I was doing an appearance or something at the Flinders Hospital and I got a call from Choco and I'd played pretty well for West Adelaide the week before um, and I, I, I sort of had a, an idea that they were keen to get me in the team as soon as they possibly could um, and I remember getting a call from Choco just saying, hey, mate, like, just want to let you know you're, you're playing this week. So I was so stoked, obviously, to, to hear that news. And then, yeah, it sort of went over to Melbourne. I had my family and a couple of my best mates with me as well, um, all there all there to sort of get involved in the festivities. And, um, yeah, I remember coming on sort of pretty relatively early on in the first quarter, coming off the bench. And almost immediately, as soon as I came onto the ground, Daniel Pierce kicked kick the footy in my direction. Um, it was a bit of a wobbler, but I sort of gathered it pretty cleanly and, um, sort of half half of evaded a tackle and gave off a handball, and that was just nice to get a good early touch. Um, we ended up winning the game. I, I sort of played reasonably well and um, was involved in a few sort of nice collisions early on in the in the game as well. So, um, yeah, just a, a very fond memory and one I've still got photos of that day and sort of reflect back on them every now and then too. So, um, good times. Yeah, it definitely was in in that Guernsey. I will say. I don't agree with Hutto. That was a better-looking Guernsey, I think. What was your thoughts on that Guernsey? Because he obviously <laughs> debuted in that one. It's got to hold a, a close part of your heart. That yeah, one. it does. It holds a, a special place in my heart, I guess, given that um, it was the Guernsey that I made my debut in. But it's a pretty ugly Guernsey. I think, you know, like everyone <laughs> everyone loves everyone loves the old-school Guernseys. And, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it made a, a return at some point in time. Um, oh, no. Yeah, I know. Yeah, just because... <laughs> It's like it's like the Frio Dockers the other week, right? When they, mm. when they rolled out their anchor, their three D anchor Guernsey that they used to have. It's so ugly, but everyone just loves it because it's just hideous. <laughs> there we it's go. The campaign. Our white Guernsey. We'll wait and see. <laughs> Yuck. But and then obviously, bit of injuries, bit of like all over, bit in, like in and out of the side. Um, yeah. What was that like, sort of overcoming? Yeah, there was uh, there were definitely some dif- difficult periods early on in my career, um, and I guess having so my brother Adam was at Carlton at the same time, so he uh, he was at Carlton for five years, only ended up playing eleven games and had a whole host of knee injuries and soft tissue injuries, and I kind of thought like, oh shit, like I, I don't want my career to to go down that path, and there were certainly times when you know I'm strain my hamstring at training and I'd be in, in the change rooms icing my, my hamstring again and just thinking like far out like it's, it's just going to be exactly like Adam like unfortunately I'm just cursed with this body that's not capable of, of holding up to the rigours of AFL footy so there were heaps of those moments early on in my career um, I think in my second year of footy I had 
a bad bout of glandular fever in the preseason. <clears throat> so I missed like eight weeks maybe of preseason. And then I did a really bad hamstring at the back end of preseason. Um, came back in, played maybe a couple of games early on and then strained my quad. And then played another two games and then strained my quad again and then did it again. Like, so like, you know, I just had a wretched run of injury in my, in my first few years. Um, up until about 2012, probably. And then I reckon 2013, uh, 14, 15, sort of, you know, your early mid-20s and started getting a bit more continuity and, and probably played my, my better footy at around those periods, um, which is no surprise. Like, you know, if, if you take some of our young boys in the team at the moment, say Xavier and, and Butsy and Connor, mm. you know, those guys... So good in their first year when they have a full preseason. They're playing every week. They're training every week. They're confident and their their consistency of their effort is always there. You know, you throw a few injuries in there, especially longer term mm. ones, and things can change pretty quickly. Unfortunately for for some players, and I was one of them. Um, there were a few of things I had to, had to deal with early on in my career. Yeah, for sure. But at least, like, I mean. During that period of time, like 2010, 11, and going into 12, 2011, Gavin Wanganine medalist, that would have given you some sort of confidence to build on going into 2012 and obviously further on from that. Yeah, I, I look, I think um, I was one of not many sort of younger players that was playing at the time. So I sort of <laughs> probably won it by default more than anything, to be honest. Like, I don't know that I was playing outstanding footy by any stretch of the imagination, but obviously just doing better than, than some of the younger, younger guys in the squad. So um, I'll claim it, but um, more, more so by default than anything. <laughs> uh, as Homer Simpson says, the two sweetest words in the English language. <laughs> oh, bloody hell. And going under Kenny, what was it like, sort of that transition from Maddie to him? Oh, it, was, it was amazing, you know, and the, the, the whole transformation of the football club at that point in time was something that I'm so proud to, be, to have been a part of. Um, yeah, obviously, 20... 10, 11, 12 were pretty tough years. And Matty, Matty um, you know, he, he put his hand up for the job, had no support around him. Well, it was, mm. He was on a hiding to nothing, really, accepting that job. And he, he did what he possibly could to try and help us, but um, really was, was super under-resourced and there was no footy coming into the... Uh, no money coming into the footy side of the, of the club. And it was really, really hard. So... Um, you know, for Kenny to come on board, but also supported by, um, you know, Keith Thomas and Koshy and Darren Burgess, you know, and then having some great assistants around him, like I think Alan Richardson at the time and these types of guys, like, it makes a huge difference. And certainly there were some things that we changed around the place on field. Like we were obviously a lot, a lot fitter than what we had been previously. Kenny came in with a new and really exciting and, and sort of bold and fun game plan for us to play. And, um, and yeah, it was just, I think it caught everyone by surprise to have the success that we did um, in 2013, you know, arguably could have made a prelim had we, um, you know, had we probably changed a few decisions against Geelong in that semi-final, you know, the, the outcome might have been a little bit different, but to, to have even gotten there, it was just such an incredible ride. I remember coming back, um, I think we were staying... Oh, maybe at the Hilton, 
Yeah, can't can't recall what hotel it was exactly, but after the game and just the hordes of Port Adelaide supporters there that were just so pumped to see us mm. even get that far, and we we were just on cloud nine. It was just incredible, and uh, yeah, and really the club club hasn't looked back since. And I know that um, yeah, you, it's hard to satisfy Port Adelaide supporters. Uh, that's <laughs> certainly uh, been the case in recent times, but. Um, you know, we're, I'm, I'm pretty proud to have been a part of the transition from where we were um, as a football club in 2012 to 2013 and beyond. Yeah, definitely. And, and you were part of the games during that year as well that just had all this belief, even being 40 points down, particularly West Coast, you know, 41 points down halfway through the third quarter. I think you were the Peter Badco medalist that night in yeah. Anzac round to come back from 41 points. Like that, I think, signified what 2013 was. How was that for you, that game in particular? Uh, again, just an unbelievable um, display of yeah self-belief and confidence. And it was just, I think it stemmed on the back of the pre-season that we'd done with Darren Burgess. Like everyone felt so fit and we knew it within ourselves. And we actually were talking about it a little bit um, in the media as well and in the public. And then I think other teams sort of caught on to it. Darren obviously comes with a great reputation of being a bit of a guru in the strength and conditioning space. And I think other teams might've sort of bought into it a bit as well. And then as soon as we started getting a bit of a run on late in games, um, we had that self-belief opposition may have had a bit of self-doubt about what was to come. And there were several games over that couple of year period that we came from big, big margins to, to win. And that game in particular against West Coast, yeah, well, 40-odd points there. I think it was Kane, Corns's 250th, mm, if I recall so, yeah. correctly. Um, so, again, a huge game for the football club in general and for Kane and for us to have come back from such a margin was just incredible. I, I, remember, I remember one tactic... Um, that we changed it. It, might, it was either half time or three quarter time. We just decided to to flood sort of one side of the ground, and then um, Brad Ebert was was told just to sprint over over to the other like opposite wing, and just try and create some offensive ball movement going for us. And I reckon there's I reckon he sets up a goal from that that particular tactic that we we sort of implemented, and that just sort of got us going and got our belief sort of back on track, but um, just an amazing game. Amazing game. Bloody crazy season that was. 2013 was a bunch of fun. And 2014 as well, like, that was an incredible year. And you started the year with a bit of a different style. Um, your hair, you went the slick back look. Run us through it, Hamish. What was, what was going through your head with that, with that choice? Um, yeah, there's been a few, a few different hairstyles, I suppose, uh, <laughs> <laughs> over time. Um, so 2014, yeah. So I reckon, I reckon I started the year with full, a full head of sort of long mm-hmm. hair. Um, and it was, it was flopping around all over the place and it, it really annoys me when it gets like that when I'm playing footy. So <laughs> Um, yeah, so I sort of, I went the, uh, short, short through the sides and back and just left the, um, yeah, a little bit of something, something on top. And, uh, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know. I don't know where I got the inspiration <laughs> from. Got no idea where I'd, I must've seen it somewhere and thought, yeah, it looks all right. But, uh, 
yeah, I'm sure a bit further down the track that'll come back to haunt me that that sort of hairstyle. But um, yeah, anyway, I've got to change it up every now and then. We may have had well, it on the, we, may, we may have had it on the Insta story today, but that's all good. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely worked because round two, first ever Adelaide Oval showdown, uh, mm. and our first year at the at the ground for home games. You're having that slick back look, showdown medalist. How was that day for you as well? Yeah, that was you know that was at a time where I think everything was just sort of clicking for me from a personal level. Like um, you know, in terms of my footy, got. You know, had a great pre-season and there was that continuity that I was referring to earlier and um, sort of started off, I think round one, I played okay as well. And then, yeah, sort of playing through the midfield and full of confidence. And um, then I think I snuck forward sort of later in the game and kicked a goal as well. And, um, yeah, I think I think on that particular day, the medal could have, it probably could have gone between maybe two or three different players. And, you know, luckily enough, I was I was on the receiving end of, it, of that, that day and, yeah, I remember going out and celebrating pretty hard that night as well. So. Yes. <laughs> That's what we love to hear. And that final series was incredible. Like the first one the, in the prison bars, Adelaide yeah. Oval, then the trip to Perth, and then just falling short against Hawthorne. What do you remember from that whole final series? Because for us, it was an amazing time. Yeah. Oh, uh, there's there's lots of vivid memories that, that spring to mind from those those particular games. Obviously, the Richmond game, just how unbelievably well we played in that first quarter. Um, <laughs> it was just remarkable. It just seemed that everything that we were doing was coming off. Um, boys were taking the game on, being super brave, but also executing our skills at a great level. And we couldn't miss in front of goal. So it was just, that was just an unbelievable, pro- probably one of the best quarters of football that I've ever been involved in. That one and the, um, the, first quarter of the Hawthorne game. I reckon it was the following year. Yeah. Similar sort of thing, you know, like seven or eight goals in the first quarter and just unbelievable football being played. And then, um, yeah, the Frio game was was a really fond memory of mine as well. It's always really hard to win over there, um, mm. no matter where you're playing. And, uh, yeah, they were, they were a really good team at that point in time. Again, we were, we were struggling at quarter, uh, halftime. <clears throat> And then I think there was a quote that came out from either it was either Kenny or Phil Walsh at the time that said, um, "You uh, something about if you're going to build the car, you may as well crash it or some, something something along those lines." And it was basically a metaphor for um, you know playing super aggressive and attacking footy the way we we played all year, mm-hmm. rather than the defensive style that we had been playing in the first half. Yeah, and we came out after after half time. I think Robbie kicked four goals in the third quarter of that game. <laughs> um, Ollie had twenty five and kicked two or three in a in a semi final as a nineteen year old. Um, that was one of very few AFL games that I had more than thirty disposals. I think I had thirty two that game. So you know, from a personal level, really contributed quite well. And we were pretty keen to to really sort of get quite emotional and, and pumped up about it when the siren went. But I remember the, a message coming, coming out from Kenny um, with about a minute or two to go to all the players. And he sort of said, look, just keep a lid on things like with the, with the celebrations on field afterwards. Um, and I think you see him coming out afterwards and he's kind of, he's, tell, he's 
looking around at everyone, telling everyone to sort of calm down a little bit. But just because I think he knew that there was more of a job to do sort of next mm. week and that will, yeah, and sort of hopefully beyond that. So, yeah, unbelievable series. And obviously the the Hawthorne game was, uh, yeah, it was an opportunity missed. I mean, I think we kicked three goals, nine or something in the first quarter of that game um, and were really dominant and on top of Hawthorne playing some great footy. Unfortunately, didn't, didn't uh, make the most of our opportunities and it came back to haunt us at the end of the game. So, um, an amazing series, probably, yeah, probably a highlight of my footballing career in terms of that, you know, three-week period, I would say. Mm. It was definitely a highlight for everyone, I think, fans-wise as well. There's one in particular moment against the Richmond, uh, at the Richmond game as mm. well. Third, I think it was the second quarter. You're running in. You've got Morris from the Tigers coming in against you. You spoke about that one-on-one with the, with the footy just before. You won this one. You got the handball to Schultz in and kicked the goal. Yeah. How was that impact for you? But also, I think that's one of the most iconic clips for us as well. Just talk us through that. Yeah, it, t- it tends to get played a little bit, that one. And uh, it's definitely a moment that I'm, I'm very, very proud of. Um, uh, and, yeah, often sort of gets spoken about and played, which is great. Um, I feel... You know, it sort of gives me goosebumps, I guess, every time I see it, um, having been a part of it. But um, that mainly stemmed from Westy actually not giving me the ball earlier up the ground. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so we were we were pretty much running through the um, the centre square together, and I thought I was in a pretty good position for him to be able to handle me the footy. Uh, turns out he didn't, and he just he sort of floated one into the forward line, and I thought. He's burnt me here, so I'm going to have to go go chase <laughs> the next one. Um, and turns out, yeah, the ball sort of bounced up in, in between Stevie Morris and I. And it's funny, so St- Stevie Morris, uh, he was a former West Adelaide player before he mm. got drafted to to Richmond. And we um, we at the footy club at West Adelaide were at Port Adelaide were pretty keen to try and get him um, oh. as a Port player. Uh, didn't eventuate that way. I me and a couple of the other guys actually took him out for dinner, I think, the year, year prior to that to try and co- coerce him to come to Port Adelaide. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's funny how sort of things work out. But, um, yeah, I, I was a bit pissed off at Westy that he didn't handle me the footy, so I had to go get the next one. And uh, that's why it all eventuated. You made him look like a genius too. <laughs> it looked an amazing bit of play too. Yeah, it came off well, so... Um, Schulte, a walking goal, and I don't know who was commentating, but he gave me a bit of praise, which was uh, which was nice. Yeah, old Dennis. Um, and then obviously, like the next few years were a bit tough, and then almost leaving the club. What was that whole period like for you? And then sort of staying, and then being like strong in your decision to stay. Uh, yeah, it's something I've I've reflected on a little bit that that little period. Um, so probably end of fifteen and sixteen, I think it was. Uh, that I'd had some offers from from other clubs um, from interstate and the club and Port Port as a football club had sort of said, look, um, you're probably not feeling within yourself that you're getting the most out of your football abilities, and and I guess they had sort of sensed that from their point of view as well. Um, so maybe maybe there's an opportunity for you to have have a look around and see whether you might be of benefit going elsewhere. Um, so I guess I took the liberty of doing that. I, I had a tour through um, a couple of facilities um, in Victoria. Um, 
you know, certainly Richmond were, were really keen for a couple of years. Um, Blair Hartley, their head recruiting manager at the time, was actually involved in, with Port Adelaide when, when I got drafted there. Um, and we, we've got a good, good relationship, Blair and I. And um, so I think he was pretty keen to get me across to Richmond. But I think, honestly, at that point in time, I was, I was probably a bit immature. I, didn't, um, I probably didn't feel like I could possibly have moved away from from home um, and, and made that big, big move into state at that point in time, especially when not knowing that I had the security of another few years at Port Adelaide. I think it was, it was almost an easier decision for me just to say, nah, like I'm just going to stay. Mm. Um, I didn't know how my footy was going to turn out, but I did have a conversation with the coaching staff at the end of 2016. I think it was just to say, look, I think I'd be better off playing across half back because from an aerobic point of view, I, I don't feel like I can keep up the game playing in the midfield, especially with the limited mm. interchange cap. When it was unlimited, it was fine. You know, I could, I could just cruise around for a bit, come off when I was knackered, go back on and there's no issues. But sort of got a bit more technical when, they, when the interchange cap came in. So, mm. you know, um, made that transition to the back line and in 20... Uh, 2017 was sort of reasonable, not too bad. But then 2018, um, the first five games of that year, I was playing probably, I probably had my my five most consistent games of footy in in one block, and was playing really well. And then, uh, uh, unfortunately, yeah, did the knee at training sort of during a week. So, um, yeah, interesting period. But I guess ultimately, I feel like I'm a pretty loyal guy, and just mm. was, as I mentioned, probably a bit bit immature at that point in time to want to move into state. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think it, I, to be honest, I think everyone was happier that you stayed as well. And <laughs> I think uh, we were, well, I was cheering. That's for sure. But uh, you mentioned the ACL 2018, that period of time, what was uh, the mindset going through the rehab and, and trying to get back for 2019? Was it always, I'm going to come back and play the same footy or did you shift a little bit? Um, now, uh, yeah, my mindset probably changed in a couple of different ways, to be honest. Like, uh, yeah, I always had this sort of theory, I guess, growing up that, um, if you do the right thing, then you'll be sort of rewarded for it, um, in a football sense. So I always thought that, you know, by doing, doing extras and, training hard and eating well and doing all those, all those types of things that I'd, I'd be rewarded for. And then, um, uh, and then obviously I suffered my knee injury and my, my philosophy around that probably changed a little bit. Um, mm. Like I still did, I still did all those things, but I guess my mindset changed in terms of just sometimes shit things happen to, to good people sort of thing. And I often reflect on, um, like David Roden and the time that I spent with, with D-Rod early on in my career. And he was just like the nicest guy and best teammate you could ask for and had fun and whatever. And then all these shitty things kept happening to him with his knees and stuff. And I sort of was like, oh, well, it is, is what it is sort of thing. And so I probably took my footy a, a tad less seriously, still, still kept myself in good shape and trained hard and did all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, it was probably more focused on, from then on, like just having a bit more fun around the place, um, you know, socially as well, building better relationships with my teammates um, and really just 
enjoying the fact that I could train and play um, when I came back. So that was that was mainly my mindset on returning. Um, I felt like when I early on in my um, return to football, I was probably a better athlete than I, than what I was before my knee. When you when you have those long term injuries, you sort of focus a lot on um, you know obviously your strength. And I felt like I was quite a more of a, a powerful and explosive athlete when I first came back. And I think we've, you know, I've spoken to Kane Farrell on return from his knee and he's, he sort of said the same thing as well. And I spoke to Jake um, Pacini recently as well, who's recovering from an ACL injury. And I sort of said, mate, you, you'll be surprised at how much of a better athlete you actually come back as um, at, at the end of this. So, um, and then, yeah, I guess, on, on return, so my, I actually would have come back in about 10 months from my ACL, but then I, I kept having um, issues with my hamstring where they took mm. the graft from. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, that sort of kept me back for another couple of months. Um, yeah, so I ended up being about 12 months between games and first game back against Freo, I think I had 13 touches in my first quarter and I thought, shit, how easy is this? Like, so <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure I sniffed it much after that, but um, that was a nice way to sort of get back in the swing of things. And yeah, I just wanted to be a, I think by the end of my career, I just wanted to be known as like a, a harder and, and tougher footballer than perhaps I was early on in my career. And yeah, I guess that, that's the player that I wanted to to be known as coming back from one knee. Bloody earth, I think you nailed that too. And the revitalization of, revitalization of 2020, like poor minor premiers. <laughs> how crazy was that to be a part of? Yeah, it was an interesting year again, like mm. all the COVID stuff and, pl- and going into hubs and th- those types of things. And I reflect on the way that we approached that whole process. And it was just, it was first class, like the way Kenny and Chris Davies and um, Michael Voss just uh, you know, altered our, our mindsets and our approach going into that whole season was was brilliant. We we saw it as if we approach this in the right way, we can actually and see it as more of a positive in terms of being able to build closer relationships with each other, spend time away with each other. Um, you know, we can we can make it really benefit us on field, and it certainly did that. We had some unbelievable people behind the scenes that were organising all sorts of stuff. Um, Trent Henschel and um, a lady by the name of Di Pouncet, who um, is just, they're just the most um, organised and caring people and just will, will do anything to help anyone else, so, those guys. So, yeah, the way, the way we approached that whole situation was really good and uh, we were obviously minor premiers on the back of it. Yeah, yeah and I think that was... Besides, like 2013-2014 was a lot of fun. I think 2020 for a lot of Port fans as well in that situation would have been um, enjoying it as well. The hubs, though, Hammer, yep. obviously isolating with uh, your teammates and everyone a part of the club. What was that like? And um, can you give us a bit of insight on who was an actual pest around the joint <laughs> during that time? Because I reckon there would have been quite a few. Pest, a pest. Um, yeah, oh, look, f- firstly, I guess... Um, as I mentioned, like we, we try to see it as an opportunity for us to try and bond bond together mm. and maybe build some relationships that you wouldn't normally have built. Otherwise, we're at the Gold Coast, so it was it was 
nice weather and um, it's not like we were super confined to our rooms. Like we were actually allowed to go outside. Um, boys were playing golf, um, sitting by the pool and you know, it was, certainly wasn't the, pl- the worst place to isolate. Um, mm. That's for sure. So we, we took some benefit out of that. Um, in terms of being a pest, oh, there's a couple of boys that just always that were always a pest back in those days. Um, certainly Stevie Motlop is just <laughs> he's just always running around trying to trying to do sh- stupid things to have a laugh with people and just yeah um, he's a good man Stevie but um, yeah there there wasn't there wasn't anyone that really sprang to mind um, in terms of being too much of a pest. I think the boys were all pretty good. Got along well, so. Well, that's good. Much for you there. <laughs> we can move into Big Brother, I reckon, Ant. Yeah, no, it's time to go into Big Brother. We talk about a few stories about footy trips or people that you ruined with over the time for away trips and stuff like that. So I'm just going to kick it off. Away trips, who did you room with? And uh, did they have anything quirky about them that just annoyed you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I tended to room with Matt Broadbent, uh, Brogsy, a yep. fair bit when, uh, particularly early on in our in our careers together. Um, Brogsy can sleep anywhere, anytime, which is a great quality and a quality that I don't have. <laughs> um, but in terms of uh, anything that was sort of of annoyance. Uh, that I disliked. Nah, we, we, we got along pretty well, Brogsy and I. Um, yeah, so there's, again, there's nothing that that really springs to mind. I'm a bit, I'm a bit boring with this sort of stuff. Like, I don't... I often get <laughs> asked this, this stuff, like, who, who are the teammates that you dislike the most? Or I don't really have any answers for any of it, but I'll, I'll see how I go. But Brogsy was usually the one that, um, yeah, on footy trips, underway trips, we, we knocked around a fair bit together. Ah, yeah, it's good. I think... And footy trips as well. I will ask who who was the organizer during your time because we've had um, I think it was Nick, Nick Lower who organized it in the early days as such. But for during your time, who organized the footy trips and what was something that was quite quirky? Um, I reckon it might have been maybe Matt Thomas oh. organized organized one or two of it. And him and him and Nicky Lower used to get along really well. Um, I reckon Maddie was was the organizer of definitely one of our trips to um, to Bali, uh, and we he organized sort of singlets and all that sort of stuff for us. And uh, you know, there's always the one or two boys that sort of come off the scooters and all, all that sort of stuff, but um, <laughs> never manages to make them the media, uh, which is nice. Um, yeah, I remember being being on the back of a scooter with Callum Hay. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you boys remember Callum yeah, Hayes. No, Callum Hay. yep. um, he was a maniac. And, <laughs> um, I was on the back of a scooter with him one day and we, I think we were going down to Jim Barron Bay for a nice uh, feed on the beach. Uh, and he were, we were going down one of these highways. There was cars, cars and bloody traffic and shit everywhere. And he was weaving in and out of all this traffic. I'm on the back of his scooter. He's he's trying to do jumps up up all the curb curbs and stuff. And fuck, he was just out of control. <laughs> I thought my life was going to end on that night, but we managed to get there and back safely. I think I had a few st- pretty stern words to him. I said, "Mate, like 
what are Relax. you doing? Yeah. <laughs> he's a big yeah. boy too, Cow. So that would be now. He, he is now. Yeah, yeah. Very funny guy too. Very funny man. So, uh, yeah. So there's there's a few stories that sort of coming out of those footy trips. Uh, yeah, lots that sort of got to remain tight lipped about. Mount fair, fair, fair play. <laughs> no, we are right. Respect the footy trips, uh, Hutto. I think we uh, go into random port match next. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. So, Hammer, we got a, a segment where we do ha- random port merch, anything that's lying around the house that is yep. obscure, anything that holds something that's pretty close to your heart. And I reckon Hutto's got something that's so fantastic. He's pumped it up all day in our text messages. Oh, you are. <laughs> so, I picked this out, actually. I only found it about five minutes before I got home. Um, an old DVD, because we love the name of game stuff. Old no, game. Yeah. So it was round 12 against North Melbourne where Paulie Stewart kicked that goal. And How good. That, that was my 17th birthday, but yeah. And wow. I yeah. went nuts. <laughs> so I, I, I had the footy in my hand when the final siren That's went. That's right. Yeah. That was an unbelievable game. Far out. Oh, that was just incredible. I think Schultz kicked seven or eight. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, Stewie Stewie sort of took that mark running back and then dodged and oh, unbelievable! Um, and that, that was that was grim, like grim times. Twenty twelve, like barely mm-hmm. barely win the game. Twelve thousand at Amy Stadium. Every half the half the crowd had left by that point in time. <laughs> um, so fuck yeah, it was unbelievable. I remember screaming, "Why was he playing on?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah. A bloke right behind him, but. Amazing result, but yeah. All right, well, Hannah, ran, what have ran, you got? Random port merch. I've got a little bit here. I, I just had to raid, raid the closet closet just um, prior to coming on. So I'll start with this um, this port cap. Oh, uh, that is gorgeous. I think I found that at an op shop somewhere. It's been signed by a couple of players. One, oh, actually, you know what? I reckon I've got this from um, just a random young supporter. They gave oh. it to me at like a signing session. It's actually been signed by Matt Loby and Aaron Young, which is random. They had to be about 50 years old. That's hot. Anyway, um, we got the infamous uh, yes. Gorgeous. Rim. So that one was obviously as a result, you might have heard the story of um, I saw it in the back of someone's car. It was That's right. Bash. I chased him into um, Bunnings and we made an exchange. And <laughs> yeah, that's that one. This is a random um, Port oh. Adelaide Magpies. It's a visor. Yep. Yes. It's oh, still, look how dirty and disgusting oh. it all is. <laughs> I found this. I found this in a car park. Um, in the car park at Alberton, I think, as I was walking out of one of my games. What, was on the ground. It was just on the ground in the car park. So obviously wow. belongs to a diehard, avid Port Adelaide Magpie supporter from who knows how long ago. But that was a nice little find. <laughs> um, I've got, I've got the. Oh uh, my god, that's a, sensational! It's a second um, branded Port Power uh, rugby top. That is yeah, so. Wow, that gets a that's a nice that's a nice little acquisition that one. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, um, is this Port Adelaide uh, bomber jacket? Oh, oh look Jesus! At that. So 
Uh, and on the back, it's got Port oh, Adelaide Power. So, yeah, a bit big, that one, but, um, yeah, extra large. But, no, nah, that's a ripper as well. So, that's found in an op shop, that one, from a mate of mine. So. Bloody hell. Got you a nice little, little collection there. Used to see them all the time at Footy Park, those bomber jackets. People used to wear them all the time. Oh, hello. <laughs> there you go. It's dinner time for the dog. Oh, look at that. Oh, bloody hell. Hey, man, what'd you, what have you found? Oh, it's not as good as Hammers and it's probably better than yours, but it's the oh, 2013 man. season guide. <laughs> <laughs> and... I think, if I've got oh. this right, is that photo Hammer was talking about. Yes. That's yes. the one. That's the one. one. Yeah. Correct. I'll never forget that. So He's good. about to take get off. The, get the 14,550 back, as Rowie said, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. No, it was, uh, a remarkable day. That was sensational. Bloody All right. Hell. Hammer, Hutto, it's time for quick fire questions. And if you thought getting scrutinized by the media was hard enough, wait till Hutto scrutinizes you for a certain question at the end, Hammer. But we'll get straight into it. What's your favorite TV show? At the moment? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Love Island UK. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that is. <laughs> the best of the lot already. Love Island UK. And I'll tell you why. Because often from Monday to Thursday, I don't actually get home until about nine o'clock after training and work and that sort of stuff. So me and the missus, we cuddle up in bed, we watch one or two episodes of Love Island and then we go to sleep. Generally. <laughs> Holy I love shit. It. Oh, that's a <laughs> I, uh, I think that would just end it there. But uh, favourite Simpsons character? Oh. Favorite Simpsons character? Ah, uh, oh, I guess Bart. Yeah, yeah, Bart Simpson. Yeah. Go to karaoke song. Uh, Three AM by Matchbox Twenty. Oh, yes. very uh, nice. Yeah, certainly vocalised that a few times after a pre-season trip up to Noosa uh, one year nice. a, few, a few years back. Love that. Me and that, the boys oh. got caught up at the uh, Surf Life Saving Club on, on a <laughs> two, two or three uh, consecutive evenings, and I, I sang that song every single time. So, yeah. Hopefully, yeah, they want it back. Not. <laughs> oh, it's terrific. Um, your favorite flavored potato chip? Oh. 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 I'm going to go with the Mexicana flavored Doritos. Holy yeah, great shit. Call. That's that is, <laughs> I like that. I don't eat chips very often, but they, that's definitely one that springs to mind. Yeah. Not bad. Done deal. Uh, your go to Mario Kart character? Uh, Wario. Oh, Wario. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. And I'm actually scared now because these are throwing me less field. But the most important question, Hammer, what is your favourite shaped flavour? My favourite shaped flavour or yeah, shape, favourite shapes flavour? Again, don't eat shapes very regularly, but I think I'm just a barbecue man. Simple. That's how we do it. <sighs> we yeah. are... what, what are yours? Chicken crimpy. Oh, yeah, that was up there. Yeah. And? Yeah. Right. What about uh, cheese and bacon? Cheese and bacon flies under the radar a bit too. Yeah. That's top three. 
Top three. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Top three, I think. But that's not all right. That. I'm right still getting over the Love Island being the most controversial at <laughs> the lot. Uh, it's an open book here, boys. Whatever. Uh, that's good. That's what we like. That's what we like. Uh, too hot to handle as well. That's a great show. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Dead set. That is a fantastic show. And you won't change my mind. Oh, <laughs> you blokes. <laughs> love is love, mate. Yeah. Um, let's go into obscure Port Adelaide players, players that have played for Port Adelaide under 100 games over the years that deserve some love. And Hutto, you kick us off again. Ah, it's always me. It's always yeah. me. Um, yeah, right. So we've got, well, obviously, we've got brothers. We've had Marlon, Motlop. Or, well, we've had the Motlops. We've had the Corns brothers. We've had the Burgoynes. But Boy out in Tanunda, very big, tall, key defender. Uh, he played six games for Port Adelaide, a total of five goals and six behinds. Uh, Matthew Westoff. Westoff. Mm. Mm, that is yeah. obscure. Yep, we're in number 40. So it's just 39 and then 40, and yeah. There you go. So Matt Westhoff's my obscure player. There you go, Ant. Hammer? Um, I'm going to go with a good mate of mine. Uh, bit of a bit of a um, club favourite for his short tenure uh, at the club, uh, Kane Mitchell. Danger. Oh, yes. Kane, yeah. danger. Just one of Never the great forget. men. Recently, recently became a father to a beautiful... Young girl. Yes. Um, just an absolute legend. Went to his wedding a few years ago. Just a, such a good guy. Um, we've, we're actually our first game for the AFLW season's over in Perth in a couple of weeks' time. So I'll uh, be catching up with a great man over there. So Kane Mitchell is my obscure player. Well, he, um, put, put in a good word for us, will you, Hammer? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. He, he probably got inspired by your uh, Bob haircut when he cut his hair short. Uh, I think Kenny might have put the hard word on him to say uh, <laughs> you ain't getting a game until you cut your hair sort of thing. So oh, Came no. back and tagged uh, Trent Cochin, I think it was, in That's that right. one night against too. Richmond. Yeah, no, nah, he did too. Yeah, he did it very well too. Yeah, he did. Uh, I'm going to go with someone that was drafted with Hammer. Mm. Uh, it was a good year. You know, we had Matthew Broadbent, Jackson Trengove. I think Dav, Jason Davenport was in that draft pool as well. I'm going to guess uh, it's going to be one or two players. Can I guess them? Yeah, go on. I'm going to say it's either Mitch Banner or Jared Redden. Well, it was actually Glenn Dawson. Oh, the Cougar. <laughs> <laughs> the Cougar. <laughs> yeah, zero games, zero goals, and uh, was in the, that draft pool. He was rookie oh. listed, though, so I don't count. Mm. No, he was still on the list. <laughs> no. <laughs> where, the where, Cougar. Where, where, oh, yeah. yeah, that's what I want to get at the bottom of that. Where did the Cougar come from? Glenn Cougar Dawson. Um, mm, there might have been a. St- oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> there might have been a story behind that one. Uh, <laughs> long, long time ago, about bloody 12, 13 years ago, maybe longer. So, yeah, can't quite recall, but mm, use your imagination, I'd say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll take your word for it, Hammer. Yeah, thanks, Hammer. We um definitely can picture that. All right, let's go from Glenn Cougar Dawson to another bloke that deserves some love, and uh, it's simply our favourite man. We talk about Stephen Salapek in a segment called Better Call Sal. And Salapek finishes. Hammer's going to tell us a story about Stephen Salapek. 
Bit of cool, Sal. Um, Sal, again, like super talented, uh, as, as you guys are aware of, I'm sure. Um, riddled, riddled with some really bad injuries with his shoulders mm. and Achilles and those types of things. So um, probably didn't get as much as he probably thought he was going to out of his AFL career due to circumstances out of his control. But um, he was an elite trainer. Uh, he always used to, used to say a phrase, uh, the fit get fitter. And it was generally in reference to whenever we had like a running session, often if you were like super fit like Sal was, you had to run either more or at a higher intensity or more reps or, you know, all that sort of stuff. Whereas the guys that were not so so uh, fit or aerobically gifted uh, often got away with doing a bit less. So that was one of his, one of his common quotes was the fit, fit get fitter. Um, <laughs> And I, I remember there was a point in time where I think Sal was um, – there was consideration for him getting traded as well. I can't, I can't mm. recall what year it was exactly, but um, I, f- I remember flicking him a message and I was, I was pretty, er- pretty early in my career, but just saying like how valued he is um, as a player, particularly amongst the younger guys who – yeah, at that point in time in football, there was still generally a bit of a hierarchy between the older and senior players and the younger guys that were just coming in and finding their way. It was um, – there was still a little bit of that sort of stuff going on, but Sal was always very open and welcoming and respectful and would do anything he could to help the younger guys. So I remember flicking him a message just saying, mate, like, we'd love to have you around, like, love love being your teammate and that sort of stuff. And thankfully, he stayed for another couple of years. But, uh, no, he's a good man. He's a good man, Steve. Yeah. Love Sal. Very excited. Next week, he's on the pod joining us and he gets to give his side of all the other better cool Sal stories that we've had. So <laughs> there's been some good ones. But yeah, another good one there, Ant. Oh, very good. Very good. Uh, Hammer, before we uh, touch up, mate, I just want to ask, um, and I think mum wanted me to ask this one, so I thought <laughs> I'd do it. Um, obviously, we, we've talked about styles over the years, the hairdos, the fashion, the Cleo Bachelor, yeah. and then the tattoos. Mum yeah. calls it sex appeal yeah so i just wanted to ask like tattoos over the course of the years have just become a collection thing or yeah i think um initially it was probably for that purpose that your mum mentioned uh uh, when i was sort of a young younger sort of whippersnapper sort of early 20s and thinking like uh yeah sort of afl in the AFL system and wouldn't mind just making the, the most of that, I guess, opportunity. Um, <laughs> and so that was certainly the, yeah, the idea initially. And then I've got a bit of a, oh, somewhat of a, like an OCD type um, issue where if I get, uh, say if I had my left arm done, then I'll need to get my right arm done. Um, if I had my left side done, I would need to get my right side. So then it just became a bit of like a, I needed to level myself out sort of thing. At the moment, I'm all level. Um, whether I get any more, yeah, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. It's a, it's an expensive hobby It's uh, and it's a painful hobby. Um, but yeah, the, the temptation is definitely there. So it, I think in time, it's just become more of a collection type thing. And my tattoo artist is a legend and um, yeah, so a bit of fun. How, how do you go handling them like when they're getting done and afterwards? How's the plan? Uh, 
Depends where it is. Uh, so often, like the ones on the arms are not too bad. Down around the wrists, not not much fun. Uh, anywhere where there's just minimal skin and then it's straight onto your bones. So all the ones mm. in and around my ribs were pretty nightmarish, to be honest. Um, I, I tended to use like a numbing cream, which would last for maybe an hour or two. And then for the last few hours, you'd be sitting there writhing in pain. But... Yeah, it's pretty draining. It's a pretty draining process, but um, yeah, sort of don't mind them. Don't mind the look of them. Um, my missus is happy for me to not ever have another one done, but <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. And the last question I always I've started to ask Hammer, like you always hear, oh, who's your hardest opponent and all that. Honestly, Hammer, who is your easiest opponent you ever played on? <laughs> <laughs> the easiest opponent I ever played on. Wow, that is one that I've not really um, thought of too often. Um, oh, I think not necessarily opponents, but like when when like GWS came into the competition for the first year or two, uh, you used to sort of lick your lips a little bit when you played against them. Um, <laughs> sort of roam around with a bit more freedom, knowing that they weren't going to, yeah, hurt you too much or put up much of a fight. So. There were some some pretty enjoyable games in the early years against against GWS, but uh, there's not really any bad players that play in the AFL these days. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's not an easy game. Yeah, no, that's fair. Well, Nick Lower said Troy Chapwood, so that was. <laughs> oh, ooh, ouch! I like it. <laughs> yeah, well, Classic to be, switch up. To be fair, Alapato Carlos said um, Eddie Betts and Dustin Martin. Yeah, he did too. <laughs> 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 Right. Oh, yeah, brilliant. But honestly, Hammer, thank you so much, mate. Like, we're both huge fans of yours, and it was obviously a privilege to watch you play, mate. And um, yeah, thank you for the apology for the missus. She's very much going to enjoy that. No, you're welcome. Uh, my, my bad for booting, booting a bloody screwy into her face. My, my, <laughs> I done it in the first place. Absolute shank, too. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No, thanks for having me on, boys. Appreciate it. All right, mate. Thank you very much. Cheers.